Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Geek Rant Summer Series version. I am Mark, sometimes known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and joining me this week, as they always do, are your friends and mine, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Aussie Engineer Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Howdy, Mark, and welcome to the fellow Opiites. You're more faithful than we are. Yeah, voice from the past. So this is the uh, third of our four pre-recorded shows, uh, and uh, you've probably noticed the trend by now. We did Seth's tirade, we did uh, Miles' tirade. Now it's Mark's tirade. It's another ten-minute tirade episode. Yay! Um, and uh, this week I get to rant about a topic of my choosing. Um, and the next week I don't know what we're going to do yet. We're going to have to figure something out, guys. Um, we we only plan three things in in a four week, uh, four month, four week month. Um, I have notions we'll discuss off unless we talk about now I thought about we could possibly you know how we did our these are the podcasts we listen to episode we could do these are charity slash nonprofits we support and we could each do say three or four Mm. and talk about those maybe if not at least for the warm-up section my cold black heart doesn't support that many charities (laughs) that's a problem. I don't want no, to look bad. You, we have no. You've supported a lot through Element That's Opie. True. We could we could talk about some of those. So, all right, we will but, discuss uh, this offline. Uh, but uh, Seth, was this your idea at the top, or was that Miles's? Is no, that was my okay. idea. So Seth thought since this uh, this is a show we're we're ghosts of the past here. Uh, I didn't mention uh, this is being recorded May sixth. Uh, so the Cinco de Mayo and the May the Fourth be with you have just passed us, and now it's just May sixth. It's kind of a letdown. After two days in a row that had clever names, now it's just May 6th. But it's 5-6, so we got that progression, right. linear progression happening. So that's yeah. something. And in 2078, that'll be cool, 5-6-7-8. Uh. <laughs> Unless you're a dance instructor. <laughs> Lamil DeFazio Hoppicep Incorporated. <laughs> that's a little bit early for you. I don't know why I said that. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't think those are the, the words, but that's okay. I'm going to go with it. Um so anyway, got a little loop back happening there. Um, we're going to talk about what, if we could do it all over again, and and I assume, Seth, go back knowing what we know now or or not, just going back in ta- pa- time and, and making a new path. Which, which, which way are we going here? Well, like maybe not knowing what we know now, but knowing this is the path we took, we're okay. going to take, you know, so you don't know all the stuff, but you just know this, this time I was a, you know, computer nerd slash geek. When am I going, you know, all right. do something but, else. But isn't but, it, isn't it that if you go back in time and you change the past, doesn't it have like negative or some ridiculous repercussions for the future? I don't know this stuff. We're no, just going to There's no butterflies in this continuum. So, ah, okay. But no, I mean, your choices would lead you to a different person. You know, you like, so go ahead, Mark. All right. So anyway, um, this is, um, if you, if you could go back to, let's say 18, arbitrarily, 18 years right. old and go down a different path, what would you do? Um, I don't, I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound incredibly arrogant. So let's just get that out in the open the next five minutes, I'm going to sound like world-class arrogant jerk. But coming out of high school, I was talented at a lot of different things. 
and it was difficult for me to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, uh, did I want to be a, a professional music, musician? Did I want to go down the math and sciences route? Uh, computers uh, were a, a thing I was into. Um, I was I was into theology, and and uh, you know I thought at one point I wanted to be a preacher. Uh, so I had this very battle, and, and it, it is interesting to think if I could go back and just turn that knob to a different selection, what would my life be like? Uh, I would probably go down the road of the hard sciences. If I could do it again. In fact, I started, um, I started my college career as a music major until I learned that the entire purpose of a music degree program is to beat the love of music out of you until the point that you hate everything about music. Um, and since I, I wanted to continue to love music, I didn't want to go that way. So then I, tr- I transitioned to physics and um, calculus made me realize that I didn't want to be a f- physicist, but, it, <laughs> but I do love physics specifically experimental physics not theoretical stuff but blowing stuff up so if i could do it again i would go back i would buckle down i would do the math and i would be an experimental physicist and i'd be one of those guys um you know in the white lab coat blowing stuff up for fun i like the blowing stuff up bit that that's the thing that i i I would yeah i would enjoy that (laughs) or you could be bill nye and get a bachelor's in mechanical engineer and pretend that you're a scientist nah blow stuff up okay (laughs) And so, Seth, what would you choose if you had to do it all over again? I would actually join the Army. When I was, you know, all of my family, well, my dad retired from the military. All three of my brothers were in the military for extended time. I, it, it would be good for me because I'm a I'm a lazy person, and I don't have a lot of follow-through, and I'm kind of, I don't make a lot of decisions. I just tend to wait for stuff to happen. So having something that would have focused me now, I know boot camp would have been rough, but I think that would been a, that would benefit me a lot in whatever I did getting out of the army to get, to get that drive that get up and go, you know, being forced on you long enough for it to become a habit, I think would would have been very beneficial looking back over the last 25 years of my life to have some discipline, to have some gumption, to uh, take a few more risks that weren't just stupid asinine things. But, you know, my life would be vastly different now. I don't, you know, I don't know where I would be or what I would have done, but I definitely a lot of, I have a lot of potential <laughs> looking back and that's not always the best thing to do. So that's what I would do. Hmm. All right, Miles, you? Well, I don't, you know, this is an interesting topic because I couldn't work out. See, I, I took the position on this of knowing what I know now if I was to go back and choose something as opposed to I'm 18 and I don't know what I'm going to do, so go that way, right? So um, this is based on knowing what I know now going back. Well, you see, I spent most of my life, and I still am, being a, a capitalist, you know, making money. Um, and that's kind of, I don't know, it's a bit of an empty motion after a while. I mean, it's good if you need security, everyone needs money. Um, eventually you get security and then what? And you kind of end up in this like, you know, like a lot of rich people, what they do is they just keep wanting to get rich for no other reason. That's all they know. So they, you know, they, how many millions can they have? Well, let's have another one, another one, another one. I'm not into that. I'm not, I want to be secure but I want time. I want time to explore the world and everything else. So when, when you said, what would you go back and do? I realized, you know, probably the most important thing that would be so opposite to what I do today would be to live in a world and a place where money was not, or, or even for that matter, ego was not even a part of it. You know, a total 
complete difference where you could you could look inward at yourself and the world around you and you could learn from it. And the only thing I could come up with that kind of made sense to me was to become a Buddhist monk and live in Tibet. And I know that sounds weird because I'm not a Buddhist, but those dudes, I tell you what, they don't tend to start wars and they don't even have a god and they just sit around thinking all day and they don't have to worry about paying the bills and rent and money. I don't know. There's something in that. So I don't know. That's what I came up with. Comments. Uh, You know, uh, the ascetic lifestyle is not for me. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. There's a lot of ability. Like, I think if I could go back in time, I would be one of those hermits who said, leave me alone and just let me contemplate God (laughs) and the mysteries of the universe. So, but in this time, I don't know if I could give up pizza and air conditioning and stuff like that. So I would be. You're right. Now you you say pizza. I'm reconsidering the whole thing again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I don't know if I could spend my whole life picking (laughs) yak hair out of my butter. I just, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's a weird one. Anyway, it'd be cool to learn the kung fu, though. Oh yeah, because according to the movies, every Tibetan monk is also a kung fu master. It's a Shaolin monk, though. That too. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, I'm up for that. (laughs) All right, that was weird. Let's move on. Hey, you know, look, I tried to come up with stuff because, you know, we can't really talk about movies or our normal warm up. So I tried to give us some warm up and give the shows a bit of depth. So I'm with you. Um, but it just went went down a weird road. That's that's what we do here. We take things down weird roads. <laughs> so the weird road I'm going to go down, Seth, uh, let me know when I can begin. Uh, I'm going okay. to talk about um, modern journalism. Ah, okay. I will, I will give you a countdown to go, and then I will do the I'll do the two minutes left and one minute left, and then I'll say shut up. All right. All right. Okay. Ready. Yeah, five, four, three, go. Journalism. Uh, what is it? What is its purpose? Why is it here? Um, just going back, this is some off of the top of my head history. I didn't do a lot of research on this, so uh, let's just say that off the top of my head. But journalism um, originally set out to be modern-day historians. So historians tell us the story of the past and give context to things uh, for which there is limited context today. Journalists are modern historians. They give context to uh, modern-day events. They report the things that are happening now, and they offer context to that. Um, That was the sort of the original purpose of the the entity that you know there's always been some somebody reporting something but when it became a thing when when we started using the word journalism uh and we started talking about the uh the fourth estate which is a a phrase that's been around since the late 1700s um it was referring to at the time in england there were the three estates there was the church there was the nobility and there were the commons uh commoners and the the fourth estate uh was sort of the the uh the balance the counterbalance to each of those things it made sure that the the church wasn't too secret that the nobility weren't too um uh, uh separate from the rest of the world and the commoners didn't get lost in the mire um and so the a lot of journalists have used that fourth estate thing and and have given themselves um sort of a self-importance to say that we are we are needed to balance things out uh and you know the the idea of a journalism at least the way i understand it and and having done you know a, a little bit of research uh, early on in my life uh, as to what exactly 
a journalist is, photojournalism, things like that. It's that that modern day, the historian of modern times. And, and that's kind of a weird phrase, but if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. What does a historian do? He, he gathers the facts, he puts them together, and then he builds a context around you. If you go to a natural history museum, you see a, a little piece of bone inside a giant structure uh, that isn't uh, bone, and that's that's providing the context, right? Somewhere in my experience, uh, anyway, in my uh, reading of history, somewhere in in the U.S. around the time of the Vietnam War, the Watergate, uh, the the '60s, the that turbulent time, uh, journalists took it on themselves uh, to to be the defenders of the little guy. Uh, instead of the instead of telling the story and providing context, they had a a story to tell. They crafted the story first, then built the facts around it investigative journalist became a thing. Geraldo Rivera uh, spending millions of dollars breaking into an empty vault. Uh, He set the story up, Al Capone, if you'll remember that, and then found that he didn't have the facts to back it up. Uh, And that seems to be the modern state of journalism. I'm going to tell the story. In fact, here in, uh, uh, in Atlanta, one of the local TV news stations, I can't remember which one it is, their actual uh, tagline is, uh, you know, Channel 5 News. I don't know if it's Channel 5, but I'm going to say it is. Channel 5 News, holding the powerful accountable. So they've taken it upon themselves to be that that uh, that accountability, that defender of the little guy. If you're powerful, you automatically uh, need a check. You need a balance. That That's that fourth estate sort of mentality uh, coming out again. Um, but it's the assumption there is that because you're powerful, you you have secrets. You have you have something that needs to be told. You need accountability, and so that's what the news does. It's not about reporting what happens anymore. It's about um, setting out to to topple the powerful or to some uh, in some way weaken uh, the powerful. And that seems to be uh, you know what uh, what news has become gradually since in the last five decades or so. And and because of that, it's become sort of a bastion of liberal thought. Um, uh, liberal people uh, began running institutions. They began hiring liberal people. They began uh, taking over the, uh, the um, liberal universities and offering uh, journalism things there. And it's become really the, the, the one holdout, and I, that's not a right phrase, it's become a, a common holdout of liberal thought. There's very few um, um, dissenting uh, thoughts allowed in journalism because it's it's run by these like-minded people they're all standing up for the little guy and then cnn came along in the 80s and turned news into not not the fourth estate anymore not the modern day historians but entertainment um you know when was the last time you saw an ugly tv anchor um dan rather maybe um he wasn't ugly but he was looking pretty rough there toward the end of his his life uh walter cronkite edward r murrow those people would not have a chance in today's media, uh, you've got to be an info babe uh, or or you know some rugged GQ guy to read the news, um, and they're not journalists anymore. They're just they're snippet readers, and you know there's ridiculous amounts of graphics all over the page. Uh, one of my favorite lampoonings of that is in Anchorman Two, when they're sort of mocking the story of CNN and like, can we get more of those graphics? Those are great. Just fill the screen with gra- just graphics everywhere, um, and then you know they they couch again. We're telling a story. Uh, through the story through conjecture without actually having the real facts and then it goes even farther well they found out the 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 old phrase if it bleeds it leads right they're selling fear and paranoia and outrage so now modern news is pretty people making you mad and afraid and it's no longer modern day historians it's pretty people selling terror Uh, and then the online news took it even further 
um, the Twitter uh, and the Facebook machines. Uh, now they took that outrage thing, and now we've only got 140 characters to make you scared or angry. Um, and so Twitter has become this, you know, outrageous fear. That's all it is. It's a sphere of outrage. And then Facebook news, you won't believe what happened next. It's not journalism anymore, but the people still, uh, sadly, there's an entire generation of people who look to Facebook as their primary news source. So they're, they're looking for modern day context. They're looking for the work of a historian. They're looking for what happened and what does it mean in a, a twi- a, 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 a Facebook feed that says, you know, the the man stepped onto the plane and a beautiful woman met him, met him and you won't believe what happened next. Well, no, I won't believe it because A, you're not telling me and B, the story you're telling me doesn't make a lot of sense uh, anywhere. Um, so that's the way I see modern journalism. And it, and it, 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 it I, there's a loss there. Our society has lost a valuable thing. I really believe in the fourth estate. I believe that there is a necessary, um, a need for a, an independent um it's an independent power that is not government that is not business that is not uh the the nobility there needs to be this independent entity out there but the more that independent entity gets together the less independent they become and i feel that we've lost as a society as a global humanity um we've lost an important thing there the that modern day historian who's just going to give us context um, and tell us the thing and just leave it alone. I mean, Fox News tried that a while back. We report, you decide. That didn't last very long. We report, you decide until the, the, the ratings start to drop and then we'll become the anti-CNN. And, and it now, and, and I'm, I'm actually okay with biases even. Um, all humans have biases. All organizations inherently have biases. Just lay them up front. And Fox News, at least they do that. But CNN, on the other hand, they, they will say they're unbiased while being obviously biased. You know, I, I wouldn't even bother me um, if you had like the Rush Limbaugh's of the world. I don't consider him news, but if you had somebody like him who said, here's my agenda, everything I say is going to come from that uh, standpoint. That's what preachers do. They step up to the pulpit and say, everything I do has this agenda behind it. Uh, then you get to decide within your soul whether what I say is true or not. Um, and I think that's what we need in news. Instead of trying to pretend there is no bias, trying to pretend that you're above the bias, just just claim it. Name it and claim it and say, I am a... A libertarian supporter of of dope smoking Gary Johnson and everything I say comes through that worldview and just accept that and go. Um, but we don't. We the world doesn't need more outrage. We have enough outrage to go around. And in fact, um, peaceful times when things are going well, uh, news media they don't like that. They have to manufacture outrage. It's an outrage generating machine. And so uh, we don't have. You know, there's an entire generation of people younger than myself, the millennials and, and younger, who only know what the outrage machine tells them. My nine-year-old daughter, uh, almost nine years old, uh, is literally frightened that President Trump is going to bring about nuclear Armageddon. She didn't hear that from a reputable news source. You know, she didn't hear that from maybe from other nine-year-olds talking, but no, that came from the modern-day version of what uh, journalism is and and we have this whole what's going to happen two generations from now 80 years from now what is what is going to pass for news what will news be how will people be informed how will they understand context when the entire context is outrage what's going to be available to us so that's the discussion I wanted to have. Uh, how, how the mighty has fallen in turn of journalism how can we turn it around and what have we lost as a result of it 
by my count, I should have about 25 seconds left. So I'll return that back to you, Mr. Anderson, if you would like to comment. Okay. Um, yeah, good job. Uh, so what you're saying then is that the person who listens has no responsibility to deduce the truth. It is up to the person providing it to not only report the facts and not only not shape the content, but make sure the person who is generating the facts isn't reproducing the narrative as well. So your response seems to be, you know, maybe we need a bigger government or maybe we need another, instead of the news media, we'll have the context of the news media. I don't understand how anything you create wouldn't end up being the same thing that you are doing. Um, Golly, I don't know how much time I have left, but I think the problem is that there is the problem is people have become lazy in there. And it was really the television, you know, because the television is this one way communication device. We're giving information to you. We're giving stuff to you. We're giving our agenda to you. And we're like, Oh, thank you, Mr. Television for giving me something to think about. So I don't have to think. And with the computer, Unfortunately, we allow the computer to become a one-way thing instead of us shaping. I'm not going to go to that site because I think you're crap um, or responding and getting involved in the discussion rather than we sit back anonymously and we throw arrows and we throw fire on the story instead of bringing, trying to bring truth, trying to get to the heart of the matter. It's like, you know, well, you have said before that uh, the let, con or go ahead. Let me, let me just interject a little bit there. One big government me really uh but also there's no way i can know what's going on in afghanistan without somebody telling me i i can't be there i can't have boots on the ground there so there has to be some entity that brings it to me so you can't say it's just my responsibility to go out and know what's going on no but it is well it's your responsibility to understand what's being given to you and you have brought up the past that you believe that the best way of getting truth is the adversarial program you know this person has this side of the story and this person has this side of the story and they go at each other to find out what's going on. So we have a responsibility to question what we're seeing and to not accept it at face value, give them a chance to do their narrative and then say, Hey, but you said this, what about this? You did that. What about this? I don't think you're right there. Did, did anybody else see this? Or do I only have your word to take? So I think that you know, yes, I can't go to Afghanistan, but I can have a brain and not just accept the crap that's coming out of the television or computer monitor at me. So while your rant is good in theory, in practice, it won't work until people want to use their brains for something other than, you know, how do I publish my latest cat video on Facebook? So I will yield the remainder right. of my time. Well, so I get, I understand ahead. the concept that there is responsibility on both sides of the issue. So we'll we'll go with that. And, and Miles, what are your thoughts on that? We've got about seven I'm, minutes left. <clears throat> well, okay. I'm going to draw you a, a visual picture. So imagine there's this road and two cars crash into each other. And there happens to be five people who see the crash. So they call the police and a police officer arrives. And the police officer starts interviewing each one of the five people. And gets a story of, well, the first car hit the second from the first guy. And the second guy says, no, the second car hit the first. And the third guy goes, no, they didn't hit at all. And the fourth guy goes, well, they actually hit three times. And then the fifth guy goes, I don't know, I didn't see it. And, and that's the problem in news media today. 
you've got everybody able to see the same event because of technology and because they've got more investment in people and ultimately the papers which are funding the journalists to be there are being driven by advertising revenue so they want to get eyes on their content but you're asking all these different people to report on the same event and give the same story so that we the consumer gets a common theme a co- you know a, a central position but it doesn't happen that way and it's not because it's not just because each newspaper or news outlet has a bias some are left left uh, leaning some are right leaning some are pro government some are anti government whatever it might be there is always that bias but at the end of the day it really comes down to the fact that everybody sees something out of their own eyes with their own interpretation the the only thing that is an exception to that would be actual video of the actual event that actually happened and even that could be doctored so I don't really know if journalism in that light can have a future. The only future I think it could have is a true decentralized model where everybody who saw it puts in their story into some central framework verbatim. No inter- and, and you, the, the listener, the, the watcher, the internet clicker, have the opportunity of making your own judgment as to what you think went on. But you know what? We we don't want that. We want to be entertained. I don't want to be told I have to think. Just tell me what happened. And there's your problem. Okay, I think, Miles, you actually hit upon it when you said we want all of these people to produce the same narrative. The problem is the producer is trying to shape what the reporter or the journalist produces. Oh, that person said something different than these others. Therefore, we're not going to use him. So already, by only having one producer, we have discounted the thing. You know, hey, three people said it was person A's fault. Well, the fourth person was standing on the other side of the road and saw the blowout or whatever. So I think the problem is too early in the process maybe, and this might support Mark's thing, the shapers step in and massage the facts. So how do we get from the, I'm, I'm arguing your point now, Mark. <laughs> how do we get from the massaging of the facts to being able to produce and distribute what the facts are? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, Timing. This was weird <laughs> because I ended up against Mark and now I'm for him. So uh, I think, th- I think what we have to do is separate uh, information from entertainment. Uh, and Seth, that does then put a responsibility on the consumer because people don't want to consume uh, information as readily as they want to consume entertainment. Uh, but the reason you had uh, a Walter Cronkite and an, and an Edward R. Murrow in front of the television is because the the news organizations at that time were completely separate from the revenue generating. News was a loss. Every every uh, Everybody knew that. And so you just accepted, let's do the best job as we could. And, and the, the idea there was that that separation creates integrity. Um, and when that separation came down, the integrity went away. I would argue that the integrity actually went away uh, long before that. But, you know, the, we have an issue there where it's all about uh, generating revenue uh, and the facts are just, you know, one ingredient in the revenue generation process. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, freedom of the press is a constitutional um, column in which the United States is built upon. So what happens when technology reshapes what the press is? 
because when that that original uh, document was founded, the press were printing on paper using very rudimentary presses and maybe a, a, a town crier. Um, but we didn't have internet. We didn't have television. We didn't have radio. We didn't have any form of, of that sort of press. And I believe that the concept of freedom of the press, if you have to embrace it, you have to embrace it to all forms and without throwing too much of a, a, a talking point into this, I personally think if that's the case, you've got to also accept think people like WikiLeaks as being part of the press. Yes, I agree. But then you also have to accept anybody with a smartphone and a Twitter or Facebook account as part yeah, of the press yeah. as well. We, because with with the internet, you no longer have the media. You know, media is a medium between whatever you know, between the event and the person's reading about the event. But now, you know, if the media is the internet, well, everybody can upload to the internet. So everybody's the press. Therefore, everybody has the freedom to do anywhere and go anywhere, man. That would constitution. That's a can of worms. It's never been addressed that I know of. Well, the freedom of the press, it's, it's in there in the freedom of the speech. You, you can't suppress somebody's ability to say what they want to say. It doesn't mean you have to support the methods they took in order to get the information that they're going to say. Right. Um, and too many journalists today think that they can break the laws in search of the truth and feel that the truth shields them from the law um, because, you know, they're press. And I just don't believe that's the truth. I believe that uh, you have to be willing to suffer the consequences of your law breaking even in, uh, in face of the truth. You got 25 seconds. Who wants the last word? Go for it, Mark. You yield the time. <laughs> well, I, I think that's it. I, I I do like the point about personal responsibility, but it goes both ways. There's personal responsibility on the part of the, the speaker and the listener. Uh, and I began my rant saying, I didn't do a lot of research on this. This is just my opinion. And I think we need a lot more of that. People saying, this isn't fact, this is opinion. And we are now out of time. So we can discuss this no further. That's it. Uh, now it's time to move on to, Seth, what happened this week in history? Okay, well, this is a really cool um, fact that has not been recorded on this show yet. So, June 16th, 1911, the Controlled Tabulating Recording Company is founded. Financier Charles Flint built trust by merging several smaller companies to form dominant company in particular fields. He had already formed the International Time Recording Company that was the major player in factory clock, in factory time clocks and computing scale Company of America for scales. He then bought out Herman Hall Earth, the founder of Hollow Earth Tabulating Machine Company, emerged the three companies into Controlled Tabulating Recording Company, or CTR. The new company continued to produce all the goods the individual companies had specialized in, but eventually focused on the unit recording equipment that Hollerus Company had made. In the 1920s, CTR would rename itself as IBM. And that happened this week in history. And before I return it to you, Mark, let me point out that the HAL from 2001 Space Odyssey was named by taking IBM and dropping a letter off of each one. So even HAL is related to this week in history back to you mark talk about building a long-lasting company uh 106 years old uh and they've pivoted several times but they're still around i That's wonder awesome. how long though you know the only reason i bring that up is that this week it's may and you're listening to it in the future i i get that 
But uh, Warren Buffett pulled out of IBM investing big time and caused the stock to drop. And he's a guy who usually likes a good company and stays with it for a long time. But he pulled out of IBM, and I'm just wondering why. Because they don't make anything no, anymore. They don't. <laughs> They're a middleware company. Yeah. 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 All right, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. We won't be reading it for a little way, uh, while because we're uh, on vacation, but I do want to hear what you have to say about um, any of the topics we've discussed recently, uh, journalism or uh, uh, immigration or uh, the, can you trust your own eyes? Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, elementopi.com, click the Contact Us button at the top of the page. Answer the world's hardest CAPTCHA. Uh, for example, what plant grows in a cornfield? If you don't know the answer to that, you can't feed back to us. I'm sorry. Um, and if you said Johnson grass, you'd be right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, fill out the form that goes to my inbox and, and gets priority there. Or you can dial five, five, nine, I am OP and leave a voicemail and we'll play it on the air. Or you can, uh, email geekrant at element We give you myriad options. Okay. Three, uh, options for contacting us. And, uh, we, uh, you, uh, lack of avail- availability is no excuse. Um, there's also the Castback app, which I haven't talked about in a while. You can just leave your feedback right there while you're listening to the show. How cool is that? And now, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity this week that's making you look like a better hiring option? Okay, this one, if you're an OCD guy, you definitely don't want to click on this link. But now that you're an OCD guy, guy, you have to because I've told you about it. It is filltheoceans.com. It's a click game. You have to, basically, the premise of the website is aliens have stolen all the water from Earth. And you've got to click. And a scientist can make water, but you have to, like, click to simulate that machine and as you click more stuff becomes available and your goal is to fill the oceans back up to 100 percent. so um that's it it was like the the spud potato game that i mentioned that i brought several months ago now but fill the oceans.com if you you know if you have a mouse clicker in your family they will love you for this um if you're playing it on the company time you know your boss will probably say why don't you play that at home here's a box <laughs> and you'll need a script for repetitive strain injury <laughs> <laughs> probably uh i don't i don't get it i'm i'm watching it i don't i'm, I'm i don't get it well you have to click that drop of water to generate drops that you can then buy things so that water you produces water on its own and your clicks become more efficient and you've got to get an, it takes a lot of water to do anything apparently so i'm still trying to figure it out myself but oh anyway. okay i get it here so yeah i literally just have to click and click and click and click and click over and over but, again and then you can buy stuff that produces it shows up in the top how many drops per second actually make it starts off at zero and then has you buy a helping hand or the little pipette or the air dryer or the bucket or anything else you will eventually get to where you know water produces on its own and then your clicks make more and then you buy more with the clicks so it's you know it's it's uh, killing boars in World of Warcraft if you remember that um, episode of South Park all right um yeah no uh but it is making on its own now i'm not doing anything and it's making drops so right i have reached some level of automation there apparently yay automation <laughs> by clicking many many times this is what's it, the it's what, it's a what's time the game waster. where you do that oh yeah all of them um 
All right, that's it. Not for you, Mark. It's not. This is not your kind of game. That's true. You know, but other people. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks. But until then, enjoy next week's uh, carefully crafted and pre-recorded episode uh, for you. And uh, we will see you in July. Thanks, everybody. That's it for this episode of The Geek Rant. Yeah.